This episode is brought to you by the generous support of LawPay, a Texas member benefit provider. Getting paid just got a lot easier. Check them out at LawPay.com. That's LawPay.com for more details. And now onto the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the State Bar of Texas podcast. We're recording live from their annual meeting in Houston, Texas. I, of course, am not the regular host of State Bar of Texas podcast. Lawrence Clay, executive producer at Legal Talk Network, stepping in for Rocky Deer as he goes around and tours the different sessions. But I have the great privilege of uh, being joined by a friend uh, from my state of California, Jeremy Evans. He's joined us. He just uh, fresh off his presentation titled Name, Image, and Likeness, A Year in Dealmaking. Oh, A Year of Dealmaking in Review. So uh, welcome, and it's so great to see you, Jeremy. No, you too, Lawrence. Always good to see you and uh, appreciate your friendship. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, I have to be one of the more interesting social media follows I've uh, ever made, but uh, just everywhere. I definitely want to get into that, but just, you know, just by way of, uh, you know, people, you're out in Texas, you're a California lawyer, obviously. So maybe tell people what you do, like, where do you work? Sure. Uh, what's your uh, your practice area? Sure. So, no, thanks for asking. So I've uh, been practicing for 10 years, uh, graduated law school down in San Diego, went to UCLA for undergrad. Uh, and initially wanted to be a district attorney. That was like my passion, probably from watching a ton of Law and Order episodes. Absolutely. And then eventually what happened was I competed in the Tulane National Baseball Arbitration Competition, which I think is your your alma mater, right? You went to uh, no, that's the uh, that's the upstream from us. I was uh, right. we affectionately called it Crail uh, yeah. uh, down in the rankings, but uh, <laughs> right. separated by a six inch hedge. But I'll tell you this, we had way more fun. Yes, for sure. And so uh, competed in a baseball arbitration competition there, had a blast, and that opened up sort of my mind to this idea that I could work in sports and make money. At the time, had not thought about working in sports or entertainment. I just, I was like, I want to be a DA. So long story short, opened my practice. And so I represent um, studios, sports teams. Uh, I work with talent, but through their agents and agencies. So not with talent directly in that sense. Uh, Producers, um, contracts, and IP. We just have a lot of fun. And uh, currently president of the California Lawyers Association. Yes. Uh, and then I do a, a weekly podcast called Believe in Sports Law, which is a lot of fun. And you produce it as well. Yep, produce it. So I bring all the guests on and everything. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's rewarding, good for marketing. I write a weekly column, um, and I teach at a couple universities in their graduate sport management programs. And uh, I love cooking. So. <laughs> so you're doing all of this now at the same time. And I see you, you travel, you're with friends and family a lot. Uh, like, like you said, like to cook. So Jeremy, uh, Jeremy is probably soul-handedly responsible for me gaining a lot of weight during the pandemic because you'd always post something delicious, like all the time. So take a picture of dinner, but you, you post there, you do a lot of uh, articles, uh, write and share, but you also share other people's articles. And you're always online. So my, my opening question to you is like, how do you do all that all at the same time? That right. would kill like everybody, anybody I know that's normal. So <laughs> do you sleep? Are you doing mindfulness training? Right. Are you vampire? What's going on? So, you know, actually, I honestly spend a lot of my days wondering how I can take things off my plate. Um, I think organization's important. I mean, first of all, with the CLA, we have such a great staff there that um, they're able to handle a lot of the day-to-day stuff to where I can focus on strategy or focus on uh, leadership and what the president's supposed to be doing, uh, bringing in new leaders, uh, member development, this sort of thing. But then uh, on the writing stuff, I'm just passionate about it. Like, I love it. I love writing. I love podcasting. One of the great sort of quotes that I kind of uh, have taken on is in a book, I can think of Tools of Titans. 
by Tim Ferriss. It's a big book. I mean, it's, you know, a thousand pages long. There's this great line in there where he says, you know, when you create content, create it for the good of creating content. Create it because you love it. You, you're excited about it. Don't create it because you want to make money. And I think that's where my podcast and my articles are at. I do it because I love it. And, you know, eventually people will be like, hey, if you like it, they follow, they listen. And that, that's where I'm looking at it. So that's, I, I think being passionate about what you're doing, I think helps. Uh, but I think the CLA sort of thing, it's, it's great to have good staff. Um, but it, it, is, it is crazy. <laughs> I won't deny that. It's, it's a lot of work. Well, uh, you make it look easy, which everybody knows is impossible. So uh, I couldn't possibly do all that. So uh, uh, kudos to you, and I love Thank it. You. And uh, you know, congratulations on that, uh, especially you know also the CLA presidency. I know you guys have been working really hard, and yeah. relatively new organization. It's good that everything was handed off to somebody that's you know can handle it. So right. good job Thank there. You. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's uh, let's transition into your presentation again, just by way of title here: Name, Image, and Likeness: A Year of Deal Making in Review. So we're going to be talking about amateur status in uh, collegiate sports, and uh, so there's uh, there's a new law that was passed, the Fair Pay to Play Act. I believe it was passed in 2019, and we've discussed this on the air before. But uh, you know, interesting to me, I, I'm a former college swimmer, and uh, you know, so I've I've talked with this. Uh, I don't know if you know Darren Heitner at all. Do you know Darren? Yeah, I know Darren. He's okay. a friend. Yeah. Oh, is he a friend? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. great guy. I had him on. Uh, really, really smart guy. And uh, we, we got into um, just a, sort of some pros and cons about which I'm going to ask you right. similarly. But uh, you know, tell us about that law. Now, it was uh, became effective earlier than planned. Right. You know, right. so give us the gist on that. So the Fair Pay to Play Act is really interesting. Um, it was the first law in the country, the first state in the country to pass a law that was like that. And the NCAA, by it, its own admittance, Mark Emeritt, who's the head of the NCAA, had said that if it was not for California's law, you never would have pursued name, image, and likeness. And the law essentially said college athletes can make money off their name, image, and likeness. And there was really no restrictions other than you couldn't sign a deal that was conflicting with the under underlying university. And um, you could not have conversations with your agent or lawyer about your future draft prospects. That provision is probably unenforceable. I mean, how do you how do you know whether somebody's having a conversation or not? And if it's an attorney, it's attorney-client privilege. Uh, not to mention, it probably would help for folks to have those conversations because it prepares them to make good decisions. I mean, the old line about Billy Bean, uh, the president of o Oakland Athletics, and the whole Moneyball thing, he had a full-ride scholarship to Stanford, and had he had good representation at the time, the time, they probably would have told him, you're not a great baseball player, you should go to college and, and get a degree. Now, obviously it worked out for Billy Bean and he's, he's not regretting that, but it really opened up the door to name, image, and likeness. And you know now we kind of have what you might refer to as the Wild West in terms of you've got potentially 20 different state laws. Um, it went into effect, initially it was supposed to be 2023, but because Florida and other laws had come along, states had come along and said, we're going, we're going live July 1st, 2021, the whole like year in review thing, because we're coming up to July 2022. They said, let's move up the clock and move it back to 2021. And so now we're about a year into it and millions of dollars have been made. You got star quarterbacks making, you know, six figures a year, maybe more. Uh, but then you got some interesting stuff like, University of Tennessee at Martin, their head quarterback at a small school signed a deal with a district attorney candidate. And the district attorney candidate paid him to basically endorse his candidacy and to like promote his candidacy. I mean, that that's probably should be outlawed, probably shouldn't allow that. 
But then you got like the whole Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M and then uh, Nick Saban at Alabama arguing over NIL rights. The reality of it is, is they're both right. There is sort of a Wild West out there. And yes, schools are using it to recruit, but there currently isn't any rules against it. I want to take a, just a brief yeah. moment here and kind of explain a little bit more in simple terms. You know, not everybody practices in the same area of law you do, and we're talking about college sports, not professional sports. And so these right now are amateur athletes. Uh, and under the old guard way of thinking, you know, you were not allowed to, uh, you know, come up, uh, do anything professional in your sport. Otherwise, you would lose your academic eligibility to compete with NC2As. And I'll tell you, quite honestly, this is one of the things that would come up uh, when we teach lifeguarding lessons. We were always worried about this as a college swimmer, um, going in there and teaching that for the neighborhood pool. You're just... I'm there primarily as lifeguard, but part of the responsibility is to teach swimming lessons. Does that violate NC2A? You know, that was one of the things everybody worried about. Does that specifically meet that definition? I think in those instances, they took it, you know, way too far. But there's some other rules in there that are kind of, you know, protecting that, the purity of sport. Um, but also, like, here's the line when you're, you know, amateur. And here's the line when you're professional. And it was uh, clearly drawn at the, uh, at the college level. And so anyway, now we're talking about these uh, image and likeness, you know, selling for like video games, which is huge. Right. Um, you know, uh, commercials and, and documentaries and things like that. You can now these students, all these efforts that they did can profit from this. And so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of do a little recap yeah. there. But let's talk about the new environment. There's a lot of new business that's being created there. You were talking about new business, new markets, new ways to make money. So let's let's talk about some of the advantages there. Yeah, no, and I appreciate, you know, because I think the context there is important, right? Because you know, it was those state laws that pushed the NCAA to sort of change those rules and to say, okay, now student athletes can make money. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, who's going to benefit from this? You know, at the time you're like, well, the IRS is going to benefit because they're going to, they're going to tax, you <laughs> they're know, they're going to benefit one way or the other. That's correct. Right. And they're going to, they're going to make money off of whatever money these athletes make. Business lawyers will benefit because they're going to form corporations for these athletes, loan out corporations or whatever. Um, and I'm thinking universities will benefit because ultimately the athlete is connected to the university. And actually the Pac-12 recently allowed and it's going to allow images and videos to be licensed by the student athletes in their NIL deals for no money. It's a limited scope in terms of like how long it can be. But some of these deals, I mean, you've got with the, with the metaverse and NFTs and all this stuff going on, you have athletes that are now brokering deals to, to have NFTs and to make money on that. Or, for example, one of my clients recently uh, drafted an NFT agreement for him. And it was essentially to have all of his college athletes sign this deal. They're going to create NFTs together. So they'll get the creative aspect to it. They'll own it. And then they'll make money on it through this platform. In my mind, though, and you mentioned this in your, in your remarks, about the sort of the purest form, or like, in my mind, a pure NIL deal is you're the star swimmer, I'm the agent, I say, Lawrence, let's get you this deal with um, Speedo. Okay. And the Speedo deal is gonna be for $10,000, you have to post three times on your social media platforms, and we'll pay you that, that much money, and you do it for three months. That to me is the purest NIL form. Where we get into problems is where the university's like, I'm gonna manage that deal for you. And I'm gonna take a percentage of that deal for you. I'm gonna become your agent, your manager. Oh, and then I'm gonna be involved in compliance. And then, uh, of course, I mentioned the political thing with the endorsing political candidates. Georgia's law, for example, specifically outlaws alcohol, tobacco, pornography, and drugs. 
so cannot endorse or sponsor any sort of those products. They also take 74.6% of the money that the athletes bring in to collectively and distribute it to the rest of the athletic department. Well, how is that not a violation of the First Amendment that you can't... That has to have come up. 100%. And not only that, but then the other issue, too, to your point, is now Congress is... They've been trying to lobby Congress to pass like a federal law. It's not going to happen. We live in a constitutional republic where we have states' rights, limited federal government. Every time Congress has tried to come in and say, we're going to regulate something, the Supreme Court knocks it down. You look at uh, the PASFA Act, which was the sports betting. You look at uh, Affordable Care Act. Congress came in and said, no, we're taking away this provision. This is unconstitutional, whatever it is. So in my mind, it's going to be NCAA and the conferences regulating this stuff. But it's the Wild West right now. I mean, they got all kinds of deals. I will say one other quick little point. The people who have benefited from this, um, obviously your star quarterbacks, your star running backs, wide receivers, your starting five of your basketball team. But it's also female athletes and then non-traditional big sports like lacrosse, you mentioned swimming, all the Olympic sports. These are big sports, but they're not like football and basketball. Uh, actually, the number two NIL earners were female college basketball players. And that's just through almost a year now. So I think that's going to continue to happen. I think between NIL and the transfer portal, which is now allowed, you know, students can transfer. The Alston Supreme Court decision, which was all about uh, student benefits. So now athlete has a decision to make. They go, all right, you're a swimmer. You say, I have a choice to go to USC, UCLA, or Stanford, or down in New Orleans. But out of all those schools, maybe Stanford, and maybe Stanford's the best in terms of education reputation, next to UCLA, and then it's UCLA or USC in terms of sports. And then you say, all right, but New Orleans is offering me X amount of money in NIL deals, X amount of money in scholarships, because there's no limit on scholarships now. Interesting. Because the Alston case... Oh, and by the way, I can go to New Orleans, make that money, and then transfer to USC and then win the championship. So it's, it really is the perfect storm uh, of a situation. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it definitely opens up some new avenues there. And I, I like one, uh, one other aspect, too, because um, this, this came out in some of the material. And thank you for sharing the materials in advance. But uh, I got a little sneak peek there. But I think it really kind of levels the field. You know, if, you, if you've got a, uh, a pretty big presence on Instagram or whatever social media platform is your choice, and you've built sort of this name for yourself, and let's say that, like, your league, what your sport isn't like, it's not football, it's not, uh, you know, basketball at the university level. Let's say it's, um, let's say it's lacrosse or let's say it's women's swimming or something like that. Um, you can have your own independent presence there. And even though your sport might not be a big moneymaker for the school, your image and likeness can be for apparel and things like that. So, you know, it, it opens up sort of a new avenue, a new lane for the student athlete there that didn't exist before. So I think, you know, definitely got some pros there, but uh, let's talk about some of the cons. I mean, you've sure. obviously had some time to think this out, and you know, and you and I did a little pre pregame on this. My, my one concern, I like all the money making aspect of it. It seems like a new environment. You know, we can create more money for the university, more uh, money for the student. Everybody's happy. Everybody's making more money, right? I am worried about the education factor, and I've seen this firsthand with some athletes, uh, especially if they're on the Division One side. We had um, Division One hockey players, and we had uh, everybody else, and so I've seen and heard things and you know how accountable is the student athlete are, are, are people setting things up they're not getting an education they're just doing the bare minimum 
I worry. I want everybody to get a good education because not everybody gets to be a professional athlete or an Instagram influencer. So what do you do there? And so let's talk about some of the cons and maybe some ways to yeah. avoid some of those. You know, it's such a good question because um, that's the piece that I don't think many people really thought about. I think they were sort of like the NCAA probably took too long to act. State law came along and said, state legislature, legislature came along and said, we're going to pass these laws to uh, essentially force the hand of the NCAA. NCAA changes its, changes its opinion on, as we talked about, says we're going to allow this now. But I don't think they really had an opportunity to say, here's the rules or here's the regulations. Because now potentially you have 20 different state laws, conferences are different, schools are different. How do you regulate that? And of course, let's say you have a high school athlete who's like, oh, I want to make money, which they can now in the Overtime Elite League, which is a private basketball league that pays high school basketball players. Will they be restricted from entering to college since they've made money before college? I don't know. Those rules haven't even been decided yet. I don't know. Um, unless there's existing rules. But I think some of the concerns I have are similar to yours. Uh, education. Uh, what is amateurism? Uh, how important is education when it's all about the money? Um, and, you know, we had this discussion before, uh, and I had the same experience at UCLA. You'd have, like, this student teacher who would go into the classroom and take notes for the D1 athletes. And they would take notes for them, and he'd be in the back of the classroom because the football team would be traveling that week or basketball team would be traveling that week. And I'm thinking to myself, well, shoot, man, I got to be here. I got to take this class. I got to do this. I got to do that. Um, I got to be here present. You know, I don't have excused absences, right? Although college is less important in terms of absences. But I agree with you. Education is such an important piece in this. Uh, I think athletes getting taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, how do you manage that agent relationship? And then I think NIL was supposed to be an opportunity for athletes to enter the free market. But the second that universities get involved and they start taking money and they start managing athletes, for example, Duke University, for the first time ever happened in college sports, hired a GM. So now they have a general manager who's going to manage all of their student athletes in terms of NIL deals. You have UCLA creating a program called like Westwood One or Westwood something, and it's going to be a platform to generate NIL deals. And, you know, to your point about Instagram, in many ways it's kind of an equalizer because you could say you have 15 million followers, you swim, you're not a star quarterback, right? but you may have more followers than the, than the star quarterback and you can make more money. Because those brands are going to pay you not based on what sport you pay or whether you're male or female. They're going to pay you based on what's your level of engagement on your social media platform. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely some food for thought. Well, Jeremy, we're out of time, but man, it's uh, so great catching up with you. Just a pleasure. Uh, and uh, you know, before we sign off, you know, obviously I want to give you a chance uh, you know, leave some contact information. If we've got a student athlete out there that's got some questions, how do they find you? Oh, thanks. Well, I mean, Twitter's pretty easily. It's at Jeremy M. Evans ESQ. My podcast is Believe in Sports Law. Um, my website is easy. It's CSLlegal.com, or you can Google California Sports Lawyer. It's right there. And if you're hungry, tune in because, uh, you know, on his uh, Instagram because it's amazing. I'm telling you, you'll, uh, you'll probably gain 20 pounds like I did. <laughs> Thanks, Lawrence. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast brought to you by LaPay. Thank you again, LaPay. Also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, now Amazon Music, or best yet, your favorite podcasting app. I'm Lawrence Glenny. Until next time, thank you for listening.